Hi, thanks for joining us to listen to another message from Rumley Chapel in Cardiff, UK. If you'd like to know more about the chapel, then visit us online at rumleychapel.org or look us up on social media. Enjoy the message. So it's Palm Sunday, the day in which Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a young donkey. The day has been described, doesn't it, as Christi- uh, by Christians for generations as the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And yet, as a child, when I heard about Palm Sunday, it got me confused. Why, if this was such a triumphal entry at the end of the week, why did they crucify Jesus? You know, traditionally uh, in the church, there are two readings from the Gospels uh, today um, for church. One of the readings is from Matthew uh, chapter 21, and we know it in verse 9, it says, doesn't it? Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And we can see those crowds, those scenes of jubilation as Jesus rides in on a donkey to take take his place in on the throne. And then the other reading is called the Passion Reading because of the suffering of Christ at the end of the week. And we know that film, don't we, that Mel Gibson uh, made uh, quite a few years ago now called The Passion of the Christ as it depicts the uh, final uh, few hours of Jesus. And so this morning, I want to address that problem, that, uh, that, that kind of dichotomy that seems to be there, this glorious Sunday that we have as Christians where we know Jesus is coming, the King is coming to take his place, and yet by Friday, Jesus finds himself all alone betrayed by one of his disciples and um, arrested by the high priest guards, accused by a, a coalition of religious leaders, tried by the Roman governor and sentenced to death, to die the death of a common criminal, crucifixion. You know, you might not know, but actually the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem was the same day that another king, um, or certainly a ruler anyway, um, also processed into the city. It's like a day of two processions. In the year 30 AD, Roman historians actually record that the governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate, you recognize his name from the Easter story, He led a procession of Roman cavalry and centurions into the city of Jerusalem. You can just imagine the absolute spectacle of that uh, entry from the western side of the city, the opposite side to what Jesus is coming in. There's Pontius Pilate surrounded by guards, surrounded by the finest um, soldiers of the Roman army there in all of their their leather armor and their their helmets and shields and uh, swords and spears glistening in the sunlight. And there they are, drummers, 
beating out the rhythm of the march, because this was no ordinary entry into Jerusalem. Pilate, as governor of the region, was um, arriving, and it, it was standard practice for uh, the ruler of that area from the Romans to be in cities when there was a big festival going on, and this was a big festival that was happening in Jerusalem at the time. It was the time of Passover, Seemingly strange Jewish festival that the Romans allowed. However, you know the Passover? It's, it celebrated the liberation of the Jewish people hundreds of years before from another empire, the empire of Egypt. And so Pilate had to be in Jerusalem. The, the Romans had occupied the land since defeating the Jews about 80 years before all of this had happened. An uprising were always in the air. The last major uprising, apparently, long before Pilate's time, had been after the death of Herod the Great in 4 BC. That uprising had started only about five miles away from Nazareth. Where's that? Nazareth, um, where Jesus had grown up. And then it spread to the capital of Galilee and the town of Emmaus had been destroyed by the Roman army. And then after putting the rebellion down there, the Romans marched on Jerusalem and then crucified over 2,000 Jews who were accused of being part of the rebellion. The Romans, you see, had made their intolerance for rebellion really well known. And, and so on this occasion, you can just imagine that Pilate had brought his best soldiers from his preferred um, headquarters at Caesarea by the sea, Salomea, or whatever you want to call it, to the, the stuffy, crowded capital of the Jews, uh, Jerusalem. And the temple, of course, the temple was there and it would be the center of all of the Passover celebrations. And the Roman garrison that had been built just across the road from it would serve as a good vantage point to keep an eye on the people there. Pilate's entry into Jerusalem was designed to, um, to, to send a message to the Jews, to, to those who might be um, plotting against the empire of Rome. The spectacle was meant to remind the Jewish people of what had happened last time they had tried to disobey the Romans and to make them think twice about doing it again. But as I said, this was a day of two processions. Pilate coming in with all his pomp and circumstance, and yet on the other side of the city, there was Jesus. If Pilate's procession was meant to show military might and strength, Jesus was actually meant to show the absolute opposite of that. You can read the story in Mark's gospel and in Matthew's gospel, and uh, it records Jesus' own words as he instructs his disciples to go ahead of him, go into the city and find this donkey that's tied up. They're to ask the owner if they can use the donkey and to say, the Lord needs them. And then Jesus quotes from Zechariah, the passage that Mike read earlier on. Behold, your king is coming to you on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. But you know, there's much more to that passage in Zechariah than just the, the uh, message of, of and the means of transport for that day. 
The prophet Zechariah is speaking to the nation of Israel. And in Zechariah chapter 9, the prophet reassures the people of Judah, called Judea in the New Testament, that God has not forgotten them. It carries on and it says this in Zechariah chapter 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the, other, uh, ends of the earth. In other words, when Jesus quotes from Zechariah chapter 9, he's reminding those that heard him of the whole passage, not just the mode of transport. And the message that the people heard was this, God will deliver the nation from the oppressor. And in their minds, this was Rome. But the king they seek, Jesus, comes humbly. Not on a horse meant for war, but on a slow-moving donkey, the symbol of a king who comes in peace, according to Zechariah. And these two processions from both sides of the city could not be different, more different in the messages that they convey. Pilate, leading the Roman centurion, speaks, as I said, of that power and might of the Roman Empire, which crushes all who oppress it. Uh, sorry, it crushes all who oppose it. And then Jesus, riding on this young donkey, is the symbol of peace and tranquility. The shalom that God brings to his people. And those who watch that day in Jerusalem are forced to make a choice. They'll either serve the God of this world, of might and power, or they choose to serve the king of a very different kind of kingdom, the kingdom of God. But there's another problem. You know, I found this really good quote um, by uh, Marty Linsky. He wrote a, um, a book called Leadership on the Line. And his quote is this, leadership is about disappointing your own people at a rate which they can absorb. So Jesus has this problem. Of course, his followers and all of the people who get caught up in this procession, this entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, they think that they're choosing to follow Jesus. But by the end of the week, they're disillusioned. Jesus has disappointed them faster, at a rate faster than they can stand. They're going to turn on him. Even those closest to Jesus, his 12 disciples, either betray him outright or abandon him in absolute confusion and fear. Interesting to note that the crowd on that Sunday proclaimed Hosanna to the son of David. In other words, what they were doing is they were putting their faith that Jesus was going to restore the glory of the nation of Israel to the splendor and wonder of the time of David and his son Solomon, who were kings. He was going to unite the nation of Israel, kick the Romans out, and everything would be okay again. Because that's what the people wanted, after all. To be ruled like a man, uh, by a man like David. 
A man so committed to God that the Old Testament prophets had proclaimed that the coming Messiah would sit on the very throne of David. The Messiah would bring back the glory of Israel, would rid the nation of oppressors, would rule benevolently, and would be kind to the common people, people like me and you. And Jesus, though, had challenged the rulers of Judea already. Not the Roman rulers, but the local rulers. He'd said to them that actually the temple was not the only way to find God's forgiveness. And that further the temple would be destroyed with not one stone left on top of another. Of course, those who made their living from the temple were not happy. The scribes, the priests, the chief priests, the, the ruling council of the Sanhedrin, the religious parties, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of those would lose their power and prestige if the temple was gone. Or even if the temple was just no longer the only place where you could seek forgiveness by God. So when Jesus miraculously saves the lame man by first saying to him, son, your, sons, your sins are forgiven, then he heals him. He challenged the whole authority of the temple system. And when Jesus drove those, those money changers um, from the temple, proclaiming that actually the temple should be a, a house of prayer for all nations, but yet the religious leaders and these money changers had, had made it into a den of thieves, Jesus exposes the corruption of the temple tax, the, this absolute scandalous exchange rate, like changing money at the airport, it was that bad that they were being charged there. And the dishonesty of those who sold animals there for sacrifice. Through all of that, Jesus had disappointed and alienated powerful people. He did so because all of these people and others who ruled on Rome's behalf were part of the system of oppression and domination that Pilate was part of. And so we have this contrast of kingdoms. I don't know if Jesus planned his entry into Jerusalem on the same day as Pilate's procession. But whether it was planned or not, the contrast between those two processions was so noticeable. You see, in Roman eyes, Pilate served the Son of God too. The late Emperor Augustus, who ruled from 31 BC to about 14 AD, was said to have been fathered by the god Apollo and conceived by his mother, Attia. Inscriptions referred to him as son of God, Lord, even saviour. After his death, the legend had it that he was seen ascending into heaven to take his place among the gods. And all of his successors Tiberius, during Jesus' life and ministry, also had these kind of divine titles that were given to them by uh, the, the Roman Empire. Until later in the first century, the emperors, the Roman emperors, would even insist on being addressed as God. A contrast between kings and kingdoms was on display that day in Rome. And although many of the people thought they sided with Jesus, they did so for the same reasons the Pharisees and others sided with Rome. They thought that Jesus could do for them what Rome had done for their rulers. Make their lives better. 
deliver them from the oppressive system under which they lived and worked, turn the tables on the Romans. And so that's what I think, that the crowds turn on Jesus by the end of this holy week. They don't think that he's going to do any of those things. And in addition, Jesus ends up uh, going to make life worse for them, not better. Their religious leaders, all of them who never agree on anything, actually agree that Jesus is going to attract the attention of the Roman Empire, especially during Passover, this, so, uh, this festival that was so important. And Rome will come down once again, hard and fast on the entire nation. And so when Jesus is accused, when he's brought by Pilate before the angry mobs, they want to be rid of him. Jesus, in their minds, never did what they wanted him to do. He never defeated the Romans. He never dissolved the unfair tax system. He never put common people in charge of the government. And furthermore, he never would. And so to please the crowds that are gathered in the city of Jerusalem. Pilate, he had this custom of releasing prisoners, many of whom were political prisoners. But on this last week in the life of Jesus, Pilate offers the crowd a choice. Who do you want? Barabbas, a known robber, a convicted criminal? Or Jesus, the seemingly failed Messiah? fearing that if Jesus was going to be released, he would start all over again. The crowd begged for Barabbas and for Jesus to be executed. Not just by any means, but they cried, crucify him, crucify him. Because Crucifixion was the one form of capital punishment that would, that would show Rome that the Jews were completely loyal and would humiliate Jesus even in death. But you know, I'm getting ahead of the story. Today is about the fact that the king is coming. And I wonder this morning, what king will you choose? Are we going to choose power and prestige and the government and, and, and things and stuff of the, the life that this world offer us? Or are we going to follow Jesus? Are we going to choose the King of Kings this morning? The one who comes in peace. The one who brings the shalom of God. I hope that you'll join us this morning in choosing Jesus. In fact, I set you a challenge at home. If you choose Jesus this morning, then why not type it in the comments? I choose to follow King Jesus. Because that's the choice that we have to make every day. What are we going to do when we wake up? Are we going to choose power and might? Or are we going to choose true love? Are we going to choose just the way things are done over the way God intends things to be? Two processions, two theologies, if you like, two choices. Which would you choose? And what kind of king do you expect?
I hope that you have a really good Holy Week, a great week um, looking at this story. It really is the highlight, isn't it, of the Christian message. Um, but, you know, in this week of emotions where we, we look at the terrible things that happen to Jesus, they happen for a purpose. And we know the end of the story. We know, you know, it might be Friday, but Sunday's coming. We know that Jesus rises again. We know who has the victory. We know who wins the battle. We know who wins the war. We are on the winning side. And Easter is all about that. Remembering what Jesus did for us by dying on that cross. And knowing the power and the love that God shows. That God has the victory over death and sin and hell as we celebrate together next Sunday on Resurrection Sunday. If you've not booked your ticket to be here in person, then I do hope that you're able to join us online as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus next Sunday. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you give us a choice Lord, we can choose between the things of this life or we can choose to follow the King of Kings. And this morning, I pray that you would help us to make that choice every day to choose you, to choose the King, to choose King Jesus. And Father, this week, as we reflect, as we think about the, um, the, that last week of the life of Jesus, Father, would you remind us of your love for us, the price that your son Jesus paid, and the victory that was won there on the cross and in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Lord, be with us this week, whatever it is that we are doing, whether it's a good week for us or a bad week. Lord, I pray that we would constantly know your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.